welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today we have a very special episode that I'm so excited about. I'm speaking with the team behind this year's Calvacott winning picture book, Watercrest, Andrea Wang and Jason Chin. In case you're not familiar, the Caldecott is basically the Academy Award for picture books, so this is a very big deal. Um, and Watercrest also won a Newbery Honor and the Asian Pacific Pacific American Award for Literature. So it's sort of like they swept the Oscars, which is very exciting. Um, a little more about Andrea and Jason. Andrea Wang is an acclaimed author of children's books that explore culture, creative thinking, and identity. In addition to Watercrest, her other books, such as The Many Meanings of Melan and Magic Ramen, have also received awards and starred reviews. Jason Chin is a celebrated author and illustrator of many children's books. His book, Grand Canyon, was awarded a Caldecott honor, and his other acclaimed nonfiction titles have received num numerous starred reviews and other accolades. Um, so without further ado, Andrea Wang and Jason Chin, welcome to A Bookish Home. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Congratulations on the Caldecott Award and the Newbery Honor. Um, it's so exciting. So to dive into a little bit about Watercrest. So to start, Andrea, could you tell us a little bit about um, the story um, that's shared in Watercrest? And then I'd love to hear a bit from Jason about kind of the artistic style and, and how he went about creating um, the illustrations. Yeah, um, so Watercrest came about because I, had this memory of being forced to pick watercress by the side of the road when I was small. And for whatever reason, that memory stayed with me um, on into adulthood. And I finally had to write about it to figure out what it really meant. And I was going through a period of um, loss. And, you know, I'd lost both my parents and my grandparents. And so writing about this memory was kind of a way to have a conversation with them and to sort of figure out some of the feelings I had about my family and my heritage when I was little. So in the story, um, the girl is on a car trip with her parents and her big brother and her mom spots watercress by the side of the road and they get out and they gather it, which she is really unhappy about. And uh, she's even more unhappy when it's served for dinner that night and she refuses to eat it. So <clears throat> at that point, her mom tells her a story about her own childhood growing up in China that changes the way the girl thinks about not just the watercress, but about her own heritage. Such a powerful story. And I think it's interesting. Well, I'll let you guys share about this, but I'd love to hear sort of you've created this story. And, and then I think it's interesting that in um, so many picture books, then your words are brought to life um, by an illustrator. So Jason, could you tell us about that? And, and maybe even what drew you to um, wanting to um, collaborate on this book? Yeah, well, when I uh, first read the text, I was really amazed at how much uh, emotion and how many layers of uh, complex emotion uh, Andrea was able to fit into it. And um, I read it and I thought uh, immediately about my father. He's uh, the child of Chinese immigrants. And he actually has a similar story of his own about not, not wanting to eat Chinese food. So there was a, an immediate connection. 
Um, I was a little hesitant because uh, it is so personal. And here I was going to be tasked to, um, to illustrate Andrea's memories and her own lived experience. And so that uh, seemed like an enormous responsibility. And I was, um, you know, like I said, a little hesitant. But uh, our editor introduced us early on in the process. And that was really good because I got to know Andrea a little bit. We shared some of our family stories. And I felt more comfortable about taking it on after that. And did you kind of have in your mind kind of right away what you envisioned the illustrations to look like or what you wanted the style to be? Or did that kind of take a lot of tinkering to sort of figure out? Because um, it's, it's such a stunning book. Um, I feel like it's one where you just have to read so slowly and just savor the words, savor the pictures, and then go back and reread and reread. Um, but I'm just curious kind of if, if it all, how that unfolded in terms of um, creating yeah. that for us. Yeah, I, um, I had different ideas in the beginning. You know, I always have different ideas when I start a project because um, there are kind of infinite possibilities, right, on the blank page. But uh, I started painting in pastel or doing pastel uh, drawings and illustrations and and I really liked it. I did a whole bunch of illustrations for it, uh, kind of test paintings for the book in pastel. Um, but all the while I was uh, thinking about Chinese art and had this nagging feeling that I should return to the brush and to watercolor because the brush is uh, a really important, um, uh, culturally important in China. It's the most important of all of the tools that a painter uses. And, and so that was nagging at me. And, um, and then there were some other difficulties I had with the pastel. So I returned to the watercolor and when I did, everything kind of fell into place. Um, it just felt like kind of like coming home or like it just fit and um, and I was able to incorporate some ideas or stylistic techniques from Chinese uh, painting, from Chinese bamboo painting and landscape painting uh, into the art. Um, and, and that felt really good. Um, you know, one example of that is that in Chinese landscape painting, the artists will often paint mountains shrouded in clouds and mist and use these very soft uh, washes to uh, invoke this kind of sense of uh, mystery. Well, it seems like me to mystery, like mystery, or it gives it a dreamlike quality. And I thought that was very appropriate for this book uh, because it deals so much with memory. And sometimes memory is hazy. And, and uh, so there are a lot of soft washes throughout the book so interesting to hear how that kind of comes together and I'm curious too Andrea I, I think I read that it, in an interview of yours that it kind of took you a little while I think you put it as it kind of took you a while to get to kind of the heart of the story and what you wanted to say could you talk a little bit about how um, the writing evolved for you into sort of what we end up seeing in the finished book sure I, when you 
when I said it took a while, I meant like eight years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it started out, as I said, um, kind of a way for me to process uh, things that had happened um, in my life. Um, and it took the form of a personal essay for adults. And I couldn't figure out the ending to it. You know, in a personal essay, there's usually like that take home kind of um, message that that encaps encapsulates the whole experience. And I just didn't really have that. And I put it away for a while and I brought it back out when I was um, doing my MFA in creative writing. And it was in creative writing for children. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll rewrite it as a picture book because this memory took place when I was young. And the characters uh, in that version had names and they, uh, it was much longer. And it was, a, you know, one of the first picture books I had tried to write. And it was much too long. And I still wasn't quite satisfied with the ending. It, it was, maybe too happy in a way. Um, and I think I really had to come to a place of being comfortable writing um, and being vulnerable at the same time. And when I got there, I sat down and, you know, I was also inspired by this wonderful picture book called A Different Pond by Bao Fi, oh, illustrated by T. Bui. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. and that was a great mentor text for me. And after that, I just sort of sat down. I read over all the versions I had written before and then put them all away and started with the blank page and just rewrote it completely from scratch. And that is essentially what became the book. It changed very little um, after it was acquired. So interesting. And I, you know, <clears throat> when you have sort of kind of finalized how you want the words to be, I'm a little curious about sort of like the nitty gritty of, because there's such a rhythm and a pace to, to picture books. Do you have an idea in your mind of like, this this is gonna be an opening page, even though you don't know what the illustration is gonna be yet, but like this is gonna be the opening page with these words. And then like you flip the page and you think it's gonna be this, or do you just sort of like write it all out and then just, I'm just curious how that works. <laughs> I think it's different for every project. For this project, um, when I sat down to write that final version, it came out in free verse, I think because I was so inspired by A Different Pond and Bao Fi is a poet. Um, I hadn't tried to write a picture book um, using that much lyrical language before. And, you know, I, it just kind of came out all in one fell swoop. <laughs> but I was very conscious at the time of the way the words sounded. So like on the first page where they're in the car and, you know, she talks about the red paint on the car being faded by, you know, the, the glinting Ohio sun or the pelting rain or the biting snow. I wanted all those really hard consonants in there because I remember my childhood as being sort of a harsh landscape. And so that's what I was trying to get across. And at the same time, while I knew I was writing a picture book, it 
when I was done, I felt like I had written more like a confessional or like a diary entry. So I didn't really think it could be a picture book. It, it didn't seem to fit the typical structure of a picture book. Um, but friends convinced me to send it to my agent and here we are. (laughs) So interesting. Well, as you were both kind of going along, um, kind of collaborating on the project together and, you know, working with your editor, did you kind of have a feeling that this was going to be a special book, um, that it was going to receive such a claim? I mean, it's won practically every award and gotten so many starred reviews. And did you kind of have a hunch or did it, or did it success take you by surprise? I, um, I was hopeful that it would find a, a large audience. Um, I was a little nervous that it might not because it seemed like, like such a, uh, specific story, like so personal. And so, um, you know, I, I thought, boy, who's, what kid is going to be able to relate to picking watercress in Ohio in 1970, (laughs) you know? Um, but when I, when I got the book back, like the first copy of it, uh, you know, I read it. I, I I became kind of emotional. I thought, boy, this is something to be proud of, regardless of uh, what happens or how it's received. Um, you know, I when I read Andrea's words in the context of the book, uh, it was like reading them for the first time, and I was blown away all over again by by the depth of emotion that she that she was uh, able to express. Andrea, how were you feeling about it? Although I'm sure, I know you said it kind of took a lot of vulnerability to really, um, you know, write so personally. And um, was it sort of a little bit of kind of nervousness too of how it would be received? I was terrified. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, because it's all those things I never would have said when I was a kid. So to have that out there permanently um, was was pretty daunting. Um, I did get the sense that it might be a big book just because um, Neil Porter, the editor, is a legend and Jason is a Caldecott honoree (laughs) before this. And, you know, I knew that having their names attached to it, it would get some attention. And he... I was hopeful for it, but also terrified. Yeah. Um, well, it, I mean, it's just such a special book. And I feel like um, I, w- I was saying before, Jason, when Andrew and I had first gotten on that I used to do um, in an elementary school library, a mock Caldecott, and we'd spend so much time poring over potential winners and just spending so much time with the books. So I can just imagine classes having really powerful, interesting conversations about the book and their reactions and ways they relate to it, ways, you know, it might, um, you know, spark some thinking. So I'm curious, kind of as the book came out and and you started maybe chatting with, although I know it was COVID time too, so I don't know how this worked, but um, were you able to chat with kids and kind of get their reactions? And Uh, I actually did my first in-person school visit uh, two weeks ago and uh, I got to present watercress and read it to a whole bunch of kids, and it was uh, it was amazing. It was really 
really nice to be there in person and see their reaction uh, and talk to them about it. Uh, and I found that kids really responded to it. They really connected to the idea of being embarrassed or the feeling of not fitting in. Um, they connected to being teased by your older brother (laughs) (laughs) and, um, oh, and, and not wanting to eat the food your parents, uh, you put on the table. And, um, you know, one, one of the, um, I'll tell you two stories from this visit. One story came from one of the teachers who told me that this book reminded of her, her, sorry, reminded her of her childhood when her grandparents used to take her foraging in Vermont for watercress. Oh, wow. And another story is from a kid who uh, was African-American girl who came up to me after the presentation and just simply wanted to say, I'm new here. And I said, you know, where are you from? She said, I'm from Maryland. And we talked a little bit. She seemed to be having a good time making some friends. Uh, It didn't seem like she felt like she didn't belong, but she obviously connected with the story and felt seen um, because I think she also felt like an immigrant. Yeah. I I mean, I just think it's so powerful when kids have that reaction just of feeling seen after reading a picture book. It's always so nice. Andrea, have you had any powerful interactions with kids about the book? Yeah, very similar to what Jason just said, um, that they connect to these different themes in the book and and the emotions in it, which are universal. Um, and they also have felt embarrassed by their families. Their parents have made them do things they don't want to do, or they don't understand why their parents are making them do something, right? Or, or why their parents behave the way they do. So that has been really interesting. Um, I think one of the things that sticks with me most actually was a tweet from a teacher who had shared the book with her students and their second graders. And one of the second graders came up to her afterwards and summed up the book by saying, it's about, you know, being thankful for what you have and um, proud of who you are. And that was just like, wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) to be seven years old and to have, you know, have picked that up. I mean, I, he's just brilliant, right? I wish that I had been uh, that perceptive when I was his age. Um, but we also have had emails from people of all backgrounds and ages talking about foraging. And, you know, I had, if I had known that this was a thing that people did when I was <laughs> young, I feel like it would have changed my entire perspective on picking watercress. But that has <laughs> been really interesting as well. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I thought was interesting, I had read a little bit from you, Jason, about some of the research you did and um, the librarian nerd in me got very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't really think about the kinds of research you would do as an illustrator for a picture book. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. It's, 
it's really hard to illustrate something if you don't know what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I had to do a lot of um, digging to find out what, what uh, different things in the story look like, um, starting with corn. You know, I, I went out into a cornfield near my house and painted corn to figure out what what it looked like to try and capture the essence of corn. Um, I had to figure out what the car looked like. So I uh, ended up buying a, a model, uh, a model, model 1967 Pontiac. Um, couldn't afford the real thing. So, you know, got a die cast. Um, but uh, some of the most interesting uh, and challenging research was to uh, figure out um, what these scenes that were set in China would look like. Uh, you know, it, they're set in a specific time period. Uh, it's a time period where a lot of stuff was changing in China. So, uh, you know, even, you know, if I found photographs from a couple of decades before or a couple of decades after, they wouldn't necessarily be accurate. Um, I ended up at Andrea's suggestion going to a museum in Salem, Massachusetts called the Essex Peabody Museum, where they have a Chinese house that was uh, built in China, you know, several hundred years ago. And it was picked up and brought to the museum and then reassembled. And you can walk through the house. And um, while there, I, I saw a whole bunch of different uh, objects, chairs and tables, uh, a thermos uh, that uh, I put into the scenes from the book. Um, I also went to the Harvard Yenching Library, it's the Asian Studies Library at Harvard, also at Andrea's, Andrea's suggestion. Um, and the librarian there, Mr. Ma, he helped me find uh, examples uh, of Sichuanese architecture. I wanted to set this in Sichuan. And uh, boy, we, we dug around for like, you know, he helped me for like an hour just picking out books. They were all in Chinese. I couldn't read them. Uh, but he was so generous with his time. We eventually found this one book that had exactly what I needed. Uh, so uh, that's some of the research I did. Uh, another thing that I read a lot about, actually, was uh, the Great Famine in China. Uh, it happened uh, in the late 1950s uh, to the early 1960s, and it was just a, a devastating, uh, horrific event. Uh, so I spent time reading testimonials of people who survived the famine that they've written afterwards, uh, and some watching some videos of the testimonials, and and that was really really important, really hard. It was really hard for me. Um, you know, it made me very, uh, put me in a bad mood for a while because yeah. um, it was such a terrible event. But um, I think it was really important for me to do that and try and put myself in those shoes before I illustrated that scene in the book. That's interesting to hear. That's how you went about it because, yeah, that um, that spread in the book is definitely one of the most powerful. And I think we'll... Um, certainly stay with readers for a long time. So kind of thinking about how you were able to evoke that is, is definitely interesting. 
Well, I always love to hear what authors and illustrators um, have been reading just for fun lately. Um, is there Are there any books that you would want to recommend? Sure. Actually, I just read um, a picture book that released yesterday by Maria Gianferrari. And um, she's a friend, but she writes this wonderful, lyrical, narrative, nonfiction picture books. And it's called Bobcat Prowling. And it's illustrated by Bagram. And I'm probably going to say his last name wrong. It's Ibatuin. Um, and it's just gorgeous. It is about a yearling bobcat and his search for a new territory after he leaves um, his home. And uh, it takes place over the course of several seasons and it's just, it's lovely, both text and art. Oh, wonderful. I'll have to definitely link to that. Um, Jason, have you read anything good lately? Uh, I also have a picture book that um, I'm uh, excited about. Uh, it was uh, actually a Caldecott honor book this year. Um, and it's called Wonder Walkers by Mitra Archer. And I love Mitra's artwork. I've been a fan for a long time. Um, but what I love about this book is that it's all about asking questions. And lately I've been thinking a lot about this quote that I read, um, which is uh, curiosity over conviction. <laughs> I don't know if that is a quote or a statement. Um, I don't. I can't remember who, who, where I read it, but I thought, boy, that's great. I like that a lot. And this book fits in to that theme really well because it's all about asking questions and and wondering things. Um, so that's that's my book. Oh, wonderful. Um... Well, you know, lastly, I um, I guess I just wanted to jump back in for a minute um, to, you know, we kind of talked about sort of what you had thought might happen with the book. And I guess just to end, I'd like to hear about just sort of the moment you found out the book won and um, anything kind of exciting that's happened since. I feel like you guys should be getting like parades in your hometown, like, you know. <laughs> Super Bowl players do after winning. I feel like that should be happening for you. And if it's not, we should be making that happen. But what's it been like? Because um, I'm sure it's sort of what every picture book author and illustrator dreams of. It's been surreal. I think Jason has said that too in interviews. It's sort of um, hard to comprehend. Uh, we found out about the Apollo Award in December um, and so we had to keep that under wraps for about a month. Uh, I mean, and it was it was such an honor to be recognized by, you know, my own community of, you know, other Asian American um, uh, librarians and educators. And I found out about the Newberry uh, the Sunday before um, the ALA awards and uh, that was just a complete shock. <laughs> so I will I will let Jason say, you know, how he found out about the Caldecott. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ALA was virtual this year. So they um, were doing everything over Zoom, I guess. And and they couldn't, you know, the, the tradition is to call 
the winner on Monday morning and wake them up early in the morning and announce it to them. And everybody's, the committee is all in the same room on a, on a, uh, on a you know, conference call, I guess, uh, you know, and, uh, and so they're all there and congratulating the winner, but uh, they couldn't do that because everyone was in a separate place. So they uh, asked my editor to uh, tell me that I was needed to present my next book to a group of librarians um, on Saturday night, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have anything going on that Saturday night. So I said, all right, I'll get some stuff together and, and I'll get ready to present this book. And he said, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it too much. Uh, we just need you to kind of sh hold up some artwork. So I get on the Zoom call and then course they don't want to hear anything from me they were there to tell me that i had won the caldecott medal ah, oh it's so it fun kind of <laughs> ah. they, they got me good <laughs> <laughs> it was a, quite a surprise oh uh, so cool yeah and... And, uh, it, it, was, it was surreal I'm, I'm starting to starting to feel less surreal i guess more we talk about it but right. i still pinch myself you know you must be running really... out of, I was just going to say, you must be running out of room on the cover with all the medals. <laughs> <laughs> one kid said it's, it's uh, gold, silver, and bronze all in one uh, day. <laughs> it's so amazing. And for it to be the Newberry too, it's just like magic. That, yeah, I was not prepared at all for that. So after Jason's Zoom call with the Caldecott committee, our editor called me and put Jason on the line so that he could tell me in person or, oh. or you know, um, personally. So that was really special. And then after the Newberry call, I, uh, my editor, I told my editor and he called me and um, we put Jason on the line and I got to tell him. So yeah. uh, oh that gosh. was really fun. Boy, I was uh. so excited to hear that. Oh my gosh. That was <laughs> so, so cool. That was so awesome because, uh, you know, we, this was a team effort, this book, you know, it really was. and, um, and, but we were all in it for uh, Andrea's story, for, for your story that inspired us all to, uh, to try and take it on and put it out there in the world as best we could. And, and I was so happy when you received the, uh, the Newberry honor. So wonderful. It, it's such a wonderful pairing. I mean, I just, the to have the story and the illustrations both be so powerful and, and moving is just so rare which is why you've got so many medals <laughs> <laughs> well you know i i just lastly i know that kind of we in the bookish nerdy world sort of know what a big deal this is have have people in your lives understood how big this is that you know you've basically now won oscars <laughs> <laughs> I have two kids in college and I don't think that they really understood um sort of the magnitude of this until my younger son um picked up a copy of the Boston Globe because he goes to school in Boston and we have we had an article in the Boston Globe um and he was just really really impressed that his mother would be in the newspaper. <laughs> people people um 
uh, around here have been pretty excited about it. Um, I think uh, my neighbor said that they saw it on on a like CNN news feed, and and so uh, a similar reaction was like, "Well, this this is a big deal." <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Now we just need the parade and we'll be, (laughs) you'll be set. Um, Well, just lastly, um, are you able to share any like upcoming projects or, you know, has this um, like changed what you're planning to work on? Or I don't know if you were kind of, either of you were juggling other um, work before and this might've changed anything for you, but I'm kind of curious what's next. I just finished a book. Um, I, I handed it in like in January and, um, it's called the universe in you. And it is uh, a book where I take the reader, um, on a journey, zooming in to all of the smallest things that we know of, including cells and DNA and atoms and even smaller things. Um, and, uh, in an effort to explain how small they are and also what we're made of. Very cool. Um, Andrea, do you have a next project or anything that you're um, able, that isn't under wraps, I guess? (laughs) I do actually. Um, My next picture book also with Neil Porter books comes out this May and it is called Luli and the language of tea. And it is about a group of immigrant children who don't all speak the same language in a sort of a classroom setting or a play uh, playroom setting while their parents are taking ESL classes next door. And it revolves around the idea that the word for tea is the same or very, very similar in over 200 languages because it, they all derive from the Chinese word for tea. Um, and as tea was exported around the globe, um, the Chinese word in a couple different dialects sort of morphed into, you know, chai and tea and tea. And so all the children sort of understand this universal language of tea and it brings them together. Oh, that's so great. I will look forward to both of those. Um, well, um, Andrew and Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. If librarians and teachers and parents listening have not gotten their copies yet, um, I hope they pick up Watercrest um, and read it with the kids in their lives. Such a powerful read. Congratulations um, on the, the well-deserved cover full of medals. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, okay. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. And there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, A Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores. And if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home. I'm also sharing there all the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports a bookish home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop slash a bookish home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And 
if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.